We just <laughs> thanks, pretend thanks he's for turning up, Callum. Yeah, we uh, could. I'll go. So I'll mean. go. And be cracked. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good good impression. I mean, you could probably go through all of Callum's actual dialogue, because there's not a lot, and splice together his answers to questions. (laughs) Let's make him an NPC. Uh, Let's do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of The Fellowship of the Tabletop. We are a live podcast <laughs> in the disputed lands of the Verandian jungle in the magical homebrewed world of Erif. My name is Darren, and I'm going to run D&D for you this evening. These are the Shadowman Tales. With me tonight, we have, playing the Dragonborn Paladin Drago, Ian. What up? We have plaging the human... We're plaging. We have playing the human ranger McBenna. We have Will. What up? Playing the Hobgoblin with the Duke of Burra, we have Danny. What up? Playing the Bugbear Druid Chongus Bongwater is our one-shot extraordinaire, Wilbot One-Shot. What up? And playing the Dragonborn Rogue Sangar, we have Mark. What up? Unfortunately, Callum cannot be with us this evening. He is currently beta testing a tabletop game of barbie and friends we look forward to how that's going to get on apparently that was good that was very good before we started recording mark has the ability to do like the most brilliant craps impression but i, I think a bit of he got a bit of stage it. fright just there i just did it didn't i and and Push him front and center. That's the yeah. best way to get over that stage. Hello, right? Hello yeah. everyone. I'm Perform for me, monkey. Yeah. I'm here. On the subject of performing for you, Shut I'm up, going Aaron. to do it because the epic voiceover guy, unfortunately, be, was trapped be a in a great episode. toilet. Oh, guys, you're in for a treat. You're in for <laughs> it. For Absolute treat. treat. Absolute treat. But anyway, before we get to the treat of tonight's episode, last time on the And we hope you're doing well out there. We really do. <laughs> we hope you're doing so well. Um, Darren, you know so before well. when you said yep. it's like being a supply teacher, you're yeah, 100% right, and I'm not yeah, going is. to make it easy for it you. Is. I'm going to throw things at the back of your head while you're out on the chalkboard. Good, absolutely. I'm just crossing off all of these magic items that I have planned <laughs> for you. You are, literally, you are literally ending up on proverbial Santa's naughty list, where you get nothing but a scroll of fart. It's like Fireball, only it emits a scroll of fart on yourself, and it does nothing but smell. Please remember On last week's because... episode of The Fellowship of the Tabletop, anyone else want to talk over me while I try and do this? Go for it. Well, anyway, but on last week's episode really of The difficult. Fellowship of the Tabletop, shut the fuck up, Will. On last week's episode of The Fellowship of the Tabletop, Top. What this happened was edited out. This is I know okay. it's not. I'm fully aware that this is all getting into the podcast. I fucking hate you all. But anyway, on last week's episode of the Fellowship of the Tabletop, what happened was outside of the red. city, outside of the city, outside of the city, Syngar, Syngar was nipping out for one of his jaunts, where we discovered that he has been nipping out instead to feed a habit, a habit of a drug known as Keltrad. Upon encountering one of the Drake Wardens, Syngar was treated to some of the visions that the Drake Wardens can summon through taking Keltrad themselves, within which he discovered more about the the lore and history of this magical place known as the First World, the first material plane that was destroyed a thousand years ago, of which 
Bits of it are scattered across the D&D metaverse, including in this place, the Tree of Erith, from which the drake eggs hang, frozen as stone, only to be summoned through the studying and worship and bonding of the drake wardens, enhancing Syngar's knowledge of the world around him. It turned out that through the visions as well, the drake wardens had seen something that Syngar knew all along. And that's that it's almost certain that the dragonborn who he has been conflicted towards, is indeed his brother Drago. Upon making his way back into the city, Syngar found Drago about the business of performing some of the sending rites of Akiva. For those of you who listened to our first campaign, it was a nice throwback to when Claude used to perform these rites. Drago had met Breyer, the man who had prayed to Akiva to bring him back to the Sword Coast and in turn had discovered more about the faith of Akiva, which would alter and influence some of Drago's actions later that evening. Back up at the rest on the third floor, what happened there was that our goblinkin decided to come together to agree to work towards helping these travellers from another plane, and indeed McBenner, in ending the disaster that is being unleashed or could potentially be unleashed on the world by I've just seen mutual masturbation in the chat by oh, Chunkick Norris and it's completely <laughs> thrown me. I was doing so well. But anyway, um Ukabura, of course, who was not with the Goblin King, be mutual. as we discovered the Always. week before, was up at the top of the mountain already performing some of the ceremonies to, like to create paper. the memory runes. <laughs> Either way, the remaining Goblinkin resolved to play their part. And as that happened, Chungus was left alone on the balcony of the accommodation that they were in, and the mountain started to give off a very faint glow, a sign that the process of forging memory runes had begun. Returning to the accommodation after performing his work later that evening, Drago did something that he's not done before. Upon contemplating his prayer, he chose not to reach out to Akiva but to an old friend, Claude. I'm going to award myself some inspiration for that because that was really difficult with, with, with <laughs> mutual masturbation well, no, and no, all really the other good. stuff that you were saying that I managed to, to just Yes, yeah, saying out. we weren't doing it. We were just saying yeah. <laughs> Very um, clear distinction. Some of us. There's some. <laughs> okay. We're going to pick up this adventure at the top of the mountain at the top of Eris' gift. Sorry, McBenner, you're probably going to want to flag out that I got you all to level up, aren't you? And want yeah, to... and you wanted us to discuss that. Yeah, actually, okay, let's go for that. Fine. Okay, let's discuss some levelling ups. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about levelling up. Callum's not nice. here, so there won't be any bullshit, <laughs> bullshit which will be just... He's staying at level bad. five, isn't he? Yeah. Um, He's not here. <laughs> but anyway, we were going to go through the level ups. We're not going to come to Ian first, because he probably won't know what the level six upgrade is for Paladin. Oh. Do you, Ian? Uh, thank you very much. It's called Aura of Protection. And what does it do? And at the sixth level, whenever you or a friendly creature within 10 feet of myself must make a saving throw the creature gains a bonus to that saving throw equal to the charisma modifier with a minimal bonus of plus one you must be conscious to grant this bonus 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 at 18th level the range of this aura increases to 30 feet 
So suck on my balls, Darren. I knew exactly what happened to it's me. Really well read, exactly. Off D&D you did. It's all, yeah, it's really well read. Really well read. Post. Well, that's why we have D and D Beyond, so that exactly it can make it. idiots like myself play D and D quite easily. I recommend it to everyone. And D and D Beyond, if you ever listen to this, a little kickback our way won't go unappreciated. Thank you, Ian. Will, why don't you tell her what McBenner is occurring? Uh, so McBenner gains the uh, ability to basically he gains a favoured enemy, an additional favoured enemy. So I've picked up lizard folk, um, understandably, or because um, I think because lizard folk covers um, the UNT. Uh, Mm-hmm. And I've also picked up cat folk or catkin, as it's sometimes called, which is basically tabaxi as favoured enemy. Um, and yeah, that's the uh, improvements I get because I've replaced Natural Explorer with Deft Explorer from the optional uh, feature manager of D&D Beyond. Therefore, don't get the... Um, I, I do get my walking speed increased, but that's it by five feet. Thank you, Will. Well shot, one shot. What have you done? So level six, Chungo Mungus. Uh, he gets a cosmic omen um, to his subclass stars druid feature, which basically means that when I finish a long rest, I can roll a dice. If it's even, I get a feature. If it's odd, I get a feature. Um, basically, the feature means that on a reaction to um, a creature I can see within 30 feet of me, making an attack roll, a saving throw, or an ability check, um, if I roll even then I can use my reaction to roll a d6 and add the number to the roll total. If I roll odd, then I subtract it from the total. So basically, I have a a reaction to alter someone else's roll, pretty much. Um, And I did just roll it then and got a nat 20. So wheel is the feature. I get to add a d6 um, just until the next long rest, which is pretty cool. And I get access to another um, third level spell slot. And I've kind of fiddled about with those spells. And hopefully some of them will be useful. Brilliant. Thank you, Will. Mark, what are you doing with Sarengar? Level one in fighter, great weapon, um, proficiency, second wind, con modifier, but but we've got a bit more health as well. That's it. That's as simple. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks. Danny, what's Ukebara doing? Uh, so Ukebara gets a fancy cool thing called Power Surge, which basically means I can sort of bank all of my dispelled or counterspelled things in a little um, pocket of energy and when I use a spell I can spend that to make my spells do more damage and just for shits and giggles I got some new spells as well along the way including dispel magic for obvious reasons and everyone's favorite that isn't fireball lightning bolt oh yeah mm-hmm. mm. right. that's me Thank you very much. And Ukebara, we are going to come to you first as we reflect on the night that you have had while some of the events that I were just describing were happening down below in the city below you. When the sun rises over the sweeping vistas of Dash Calray and the Verandium beyond, mighty Sol rises over the top of Eris Gift, the great mountain itself. As light creeps over the mountain top, you wake from your long rest. Asleep found you the night before. Ukabara, you remember the faint glow of the top of the mountain peak, sitting only a hundred meters above your head, 
a sign that the process of forging new memory runes, the rituals that you took part in the night before, had been initiated. You dreamed this night had just passed of what you saw. You dreamed of what was happening inside of the cloisters, what you saw, the cavernous space adorned with walls of jet blue crystal surrounding the great ancient natural marble altar. Your part in the ritual was brief, offering up the names of those whose memories you were committing to the spear. You were careful, knowing that you carried a heavy burden for Traven Tom and for Astrid or Chungus, as you know him. You glance over at these cloister doors now. The grand stone-marked doors pressed shut ever since your exit last night. You know that when the silent druids within emerge, your runes will either be complete or they will be dust. Taking in the surroundings, you notice that the night sky has been replaced by the orangey-red glow of Sol. There are several things to note about the courtyard you find yourself in. First, there are the great sylvan willow gates that sit at the far side adjacent from the cloister doors, directly adjacent to the mountain cloister itself. The gates are see-through, they are shut. Two large shifter beast humanoids stand sentry. They appear to be arguing with a bugbear who wants access to the courtyard. There are a series of walls made out of the blue runes. They run around the side and through across this courtyard, dotted independently throughout, akin to what you would perhaps identify with a war or war memorial. These walls are known as the Arboretum. You have seen people silently at these before, eyes shut, communing with the memories contained within. Some people call these walls the echoes of life. In the centre stands the great ancient tree of the first world. Hanging from its great ash, red and purple branches are the stone drake eggs. Off to the side, a series of rocky steps lead up to a platform, a platform that seemingly floats independently over the city below. Atop that platform is the smouldering smoke of the memory forge. You look back towards the cloister gates, no sign of anyone emerging. Suddenly a shriek comes from the sylvan sylvan gates at the far side. The two shifters on the gate seem to start to panic. The goblinkin before them appear to have, the goblinkin that they were talking to seems to have transformed into an elven half-elf figure that you recognise, Ren. You can hear her saying, don't lose your shit, I was just disguising myself because it's safer, I I know that guy. And she points at you, Ukabara. The goblinkin glanced back at you. Uh, the shifter goblin kin glance back at you and turn to you without and saying goblin you know her yes the two shifters just seem to glance at each other and they uh, growl and snarl and then move out the way as these two cloister gates open and allow Ren into the courtyard Whoa, are those are those are those dragon eggs hanging from that tree? Could be. Or you know, festive winter ornaments. Oh. That's cool. She then glances off to the left and sees the memory forge. Whoa. Is that the is that the forge thing? Gonna keep doing this. Uh, um sorry. 
Only I need I to wanted... concentrate. I only I need to concentrate, and you know, oh. you're somewhat distracting. Oh, I'm, I'm all I'm for just... it at another time. Okay, I'll um. I misinterpret these memories of these little goblinoids. I might make a fishy or something. Oh, I'll, um, I'll wait. And she's just going to stand there in silence. As you both contemplate this silence, eventually the doors leading into the mountain open and these two druids emerge. This happens after about 15, 20 minutes of you just contemplating these walls with Ren just looking around, wanting to touch stuff, but not actually doing it. Um. They come over to you, these two druids, and motionless, they just place into your hand a series of three stones. One emerald coloured, one dark green coloured, and one silver coloured. These are memory shards. A gift. One for you, one for Kratz, and one for Chungus. On a meta level, what you have been given and what you would know is that these shards are effectively given to those who successfully offer up memories to the memory room. Sometimes when lives are committed to the Great Mountain, an essence of the life of the person whose memories have been committed or the essence of someone else's life can be returned. It's typically said that these things are returned for people who themselves wish to lend their strength from the astral plane back to those on the material plane. Inside all of these is a feat of your choosing. So you can go through any of the published books, you can go through any of the books that contain a feat, and as long as it's within the parameters for your race and class, um, so for instance, some feats say you have to be a human as a prerequisite, you can't have that one. But anything else is, is fair game. And there's one for you, one for Kratz, and one for Chungus. What you might want to do is is just tweak your ability scores to get it on D&D Beyond so you can then register this feat as well. But effectively, this is the You can do it manually you. through D&D Beyond. You can add a feat. You don't need to tweak anything. I know. Fabulous. Um, That's mainly for Darren's point of view, not yours. These, these are the gifts that the mountain has given you. And as you glance back to the, to the walls that adjourn this place, they start to just glow. And this blue pulses through them as these memories have been added to the echoes of life. Whenever anyone who knew these people intimately that climbs up to the top of the mountain summit now, they will be able to summon these memories here. You have been successful. The druid offers nothing to you other than that and turns and makes their way back towards the cloisters. What was that? I don't know, but I've got three things I can pick. I guess I've got to give them to my friends. Oh, cool. Can I talk to you now? Am I going to distract you from something still? I I think you're okay. I assume there'd be like hours of a sort of continuous ritual thing, or I maybe have to lift something heavy once or twice, but it seems I just stand here and they bring me gifts. I don't know why we all didn't just do this. Well, didn't you spend last night in there? And she points towards the, the, the cloisters and say, that's what you came up here for, right? Yeah, yes, but I thought it'd be harder than that. Huh. Sorry, I was rude. Please. Continue. No, don't, don't, don't worry. Um, 
I've done some thinking last night, and I've spoken to to Drago, and and well, he wants me to stay here when you go and uh, and look to stop Carl. Okay. And I was against that, but I, I thought actually he's going to be much more useful in that fight than I am. And, and he doesn't need to be worrying about what's happening with me. So this is me trying to do the mature and sensible thing, but I, I have a favor to ask of you back on the sword coast. I used to be able to cast a spell and I could talk to people a long way away. I, I, I've not been able to do it since being brought here. The teleportation back was, was bad and it, it's affected Drago and it's affected me and, well, do you know a spell called sending? Yes, but why don't you just come with us? Why are you letting the some lizard man say what you can and can't do? You look like a grown up. Yeah, and uh, I've I've had those thoughts myself. But do you think if I told Kratz to stay behind and be a good little doggy, he would do that? No, he'd want to come. Just you know, just be you. I'm not a messenger, and neither are you a stay-at-home child. No, but there is a second thought. We were we were told yesterday that that Shadowpoint Pink, this other mountain, it's it's thousands of it's it's not thousands, but it's hundreds of miles away, and it's it's through impossible to traverse terrain. It's how they stop people going there. And I thought that if I was here, that I could guarantee that those of you who survive get back because or you could come if, with us and guarantee we survive and actually help more directly yeah but if if i die there you, you you all die because there's no way back well then that's what's meant to happen staying here is helpful for no one okay i'm sorry but it sounds like you need to grow up that's what I thought I was doing. I, I wanted to go. He asked me not to. because It sounds like you're letting play. some older boy in the play park tell you that you shouldn't shouldn't play with. Huh. So you think I should do what my impulse suggests, right? I should just follow my gut. Absolutely. Okay. And don't let anyone say that you're not allowed to go somewhere because you might not be strong enough or you're too important. Actually, it sounds like the person who's going instead of you might be important to you. Interesting. She glances up at the memory forge, up at these steps leading off to the left. Okay. Great things happen to people who get involved, not those who get told to wait behind. Yeah. That makes sense. And she starts to sprint up the steps towards the memory forge. And what she does is that with, 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 with ruthless conviction, she just slams her hand onto this altar at the, the front of the memory forge and the forge just kicks into life. I don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to mutter to myself and quietly. And that's okay. Neither do I. She's going to say back down from the top of the forge. We're going to cut down, back down into the accommodation at Morkar's hearth where I'm going to say because McBenna was uh, the first to sleep last night, you're the first to rise, McBenna. You discover as you come into the accommodation that it's it's pretty much 
as you've left it before. There is a one notable addition to the accommodation that wasn't there last night, and that's the presence of a note on the table that looks like it's clearly been left there. What do you want to do? I will investigate the note. Yeah, you immediately go over to the note, and it's written by Ren. It's quite clear that this has been written by Ren. It says, been thinking about things after talking to you all, hopefully going to find a solution. My disguise magic is still good, so it's easier for me to go incognito without two silver dragonborns, a goblin, hobgoblin, bugbear, and the only human in Dash Cowrie. We'll meet you at the Memory Forge in a few hours. Drago, if you read this first, did try to wake you. You sleep heavy and snore really, really, really loud after you've been drinking. And that's the end of the night. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, and McBenna will go and wake Drago up. Okay, yep, you go straight into Drago's room. Um, and you can you, you find him asleep on the bed. Drago, wake up. Uh, and then he's going to find the chamber pot from the room and throw it on Drago. <laughs> Drago, wake up. Um, oh, yeah, well, uh, psh, there is this splash of... I, I don't big, know. Yeah, that's a big definite, part of me that yeah. wants to just kill you on the spot. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> what? What? Ren's gone Why am I wet? Ren's gone wandering in the city on her own. Uh, why am I wet? I, you, you weren't waking up, so I just threw this bowl of water on you. <clears throat> what was that about, Ren? Ren has gone wandering in the city on her own. Okay, and you know this how? Because she left a note. And, right. you know, with snake people maybe being in the city, that's probably not a good idea. What does the note say? The note said that she'd gone into the city. She thinks her disguised magical stop her from being able to be seen by everyone and she'll be able to go incognito and that she's going to go to the Memory Forge and she'll see us in a few hours. My concern is she's wandering around on her own and anything could happen. Uh, she's gone in disguise. Yep, and you know how this place likes people in disguise, you know. Right, okay. Um, to the Memory Forge. Yeah, something like that. Are we meant to be there later on? I don't know. I went to sleep. You tell me. What time is it? Drago says as he gets up and he looks out the window. Um, it's definitely morning. It's not yet midday. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we can get everyone awake and just start making our way to the memory forge anyway. All right. Thanks for um, keeping an eye on her. I know you were doing what I asked. Appreciate it. I did, she she was saying stuff about she knows what she has to do, and I just don't want her doing something that's really stupid. That was all. Uh, I guess that's how we ended up here in the first place. Um, right, I'll get Sayangar. Do you want to, or should I? Should I get Kratz and you get Sayangar? 
Oh, it's all right. No crack tonight. A good chat. So you'll be fine. And I'll also go wake up uh, Chungus. I'm sure that Chungus is already awake. Um, yes, and then McBenna, true to your, as you go into Chungus's room, you can find Chungus is already uh, peacefully just getting about ready for the day. Um, you also notice that there has been some form of like breakfast confectionery that 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 has been clearly been left for you by a, a, a diligently quiet uh, a guard servant as well on the on the central table. So we'll we'll go to you waking up Chungus first, and then we'll go to Drago and Syngar. Uh, oh, Chungus, yeah. you're already awake. Oh, yeah. No, I've been up for a little while, actually. Um, I'm feeling pretty good today. It's, uh, oh, it's been a good day. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's what happens when you have a good night's sleep after a good fight. Oh, must be. Well, there we go. Um, well, they've left a good spread out for us, if you if you want to eat some, some of the stuff. Yeah, we might as well. You know, who knows when we're going to get some good grub again. Mm, let's have a look. Oh, look, uh, uh, these ones, oh, they're delicious. you got to try this. And I'll just go over to the table and grab. Um, I imagine Chungus would recognize some of the, the delicacies therein and pick do it we, uh Do we want to make sure we wake up Kratz as well? I feel like he'll be a bit disappointed if he gets to miss out on food. Uh, well, no, no, he would, but he's sleeping like a bear. Okay, well, yeah. I just want it to be known that um, if, if we, we didn't choose to wake him up because you said that. That's Just in case he has to be off camera for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and as you both start to, to to just pick into the sylvan berry muffins that that Chunga seems to deliberately be going towards as, as as something that he particularly enjoys, we'll go over to one the other accommodation rooms and find Drago awaking Syngar. Is he there? Yes, he's there. Yeah, asleep. Yes. Uh, well, Dra- actually, to be fair, if the door's closed, Drago's just going to hammer on it. All right, it's time to get up. Um, instantly, the door will open. <laughs> what were we doing? Um, breakfast and then memory runes. Right. I Didn't know if you were coming. Yep. Just uh, breakfast. Okay. And he's going to walk straight past you, a little sheepish, and uh, make his way down the corridor to breakfast. Right. Cool. Okay. As you all take in this breakfast, you're all able to have any small talk that that, that you you wish. Kratz is going to to emerge during this and is going to just mutter something about suspicion and not wanting to deal in anything that involves delving into the past. I've got suspicions about delving into the past. <laughs> I'm not having any of this shit. I'm going on a party. I love this curry. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to go be a bear. Bye. There you go, Dan. And with that, have some inspiration, Mark, because it's so much fun. Um, yeah, what's going to happen is Kratz is going to decide to go and make their 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 own uh, their own way through this day. The rest of you eventually step out into the morning air. You're inside the mountain is where the third level of Dash Calray sits. Uh, as you head back up towards the fourth level and on your way back up through the city, the city starts to come to life. The shops that cover the great thoroughfare of the third level are also starting to bustle. The smell of a series of distinguishable and undistinguishable smells start to fill the air. 
This time yesterday, the city was vibrant and alive when you passed through it. It's quiet in comparison today. As you moved upwards towards the fourth level, there are some of the glances that came to you of excitement yesterday are replaced by trepidation, fear, suspicion, and even in some cases you get the sense of anger. That the fact that the city has been subjected to an attack of terror has coincided with your arrival doesn't appear to have gone unnoticed with some. You do see get some stoic nods and glances of, of appreciation who, 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 from people who apparently are aware of your involvement in the fight yesterday. But as you, emerge, as you emerge onto the fourth level, back near the great amphitheatre where you were greeted yesterday, you can glance down to the ground floor below and you can still see now the, the, the ramification of the battle from the day before, that this, this city has been scarred. You also suspect as well, from what you now know of the Yuan-Ti purebloods, that this is a city that now no longer trusts all of its inhabitants. It doesn't. The, the sense of trust is gone. That the weaker members of the Iwanti are, are early enough within their indoctrination that they still look normal. It's only when they start to progress through their transformation that they start to take on the reptilian features. The heat is starting to break. This day is greyer. It's cooler. Rain clouds start to gather once more. The paths of the city eventually turn to steps, rocky, stony steps. And after 20 minutes of climbing, you come to a bridge that seems to lead over the top of the city and onto a clearing. This clearing offers you now the clearest view of Dash Calray as it sits below. Running behind the other side of this bridge is the Great Waterfall. The Great Waterfall of Eris Gift, which is said to be the fountain stream of all water and nourishment across the entire kingdom of Erith. You're close enough to it to feel the spray of it as it passes down past the bridge. You notice as you come onto this platform that a figure is waiting for you, a golden dragonborn, Sol Raver. Welcome to the lift platform. Scrymar suggested that you would climb this morning and wanted me to to make sure that you got up as expediently as possible. If you could all just make sure that you're you're off the you're on the clearing and not on the bridge. Have you uh, seen our, our our young companion Ren? I have seen a couple of pilgrims start to make their way up. I've not seen anyone who. Looks like the half-elf girl, if that's who you mean. Yeah, she just she left a note saying she was coming ahead of us, and I'm a bit concerned if she uh, hasn't got here. Well, the uh, the lift has already been up once this morning. It could be that she was on it. Um, I guess if she said that's where she's going, you'll be able to find out when you reach the top. All right. Uh, the, um, the rest of you, do you have anything that you're hoping to, to get out of the mountain itself? At, at that, um, Sango's going to confuse, slightly confusedly look over towards Drago. What, what are we doing here? I'll be honest. I'm not entirely sure. I believe 
I was told there's a way to get our father's sword back through some sort of memory rune. Um, Ukabara will know more about the science behind it all. But if there is a chance we can have that sword, it might make a difference in the battle ahead. That's why I'm here. And the fact that Ren has decided to take a day trip out here. Yeah, that that's probably more concerning. All right. Uh, well, I'll just follow on. This this stuff will go straight over my head. So just, yeah, I'll, I'll be learning. Just lead the way. Plus, I think given the events of yesterday and the day before, and there'd be a good idea if we all stick together where possible now. Yep. Yeah, uh, no more separation. I get it. I get it. I can feel it. Hi ho, hi ho. It's up the mountain we go. As <laughs> that, as as you all come onto the platform, Sol Reeve is going to pass the uh, Chungus, who has been quiet, and is going to say to you, "Are you coming up as well, Goblinkin?" Yeah. I'm on my way up. up uh, Ukabura's up there. He's hopefully, if last night proved true, he's got something uh, all sorted for us up there. Fair enough. And with that, she's going to tell tell you all, just in, the, in a clear voice, uh, this is uh, quite the sight. You all, you all might want to uh, just brace yourselves for it. And what happens is that the clearing platform that you're on starts to rumble and this blue ethereal glow starts to form around it and it starts to rise up the mountain itself this is what is known as the platform lift of dash calray and it, it it ascends and descends eris gift it's one of the great marvels of the city as you all start to move up sol rave is just going to turn to you all and say it's our five-hour walk to the top. The platform does it in 20 minutes. Uh, the, the girl is already up there. Uh, if she's made it up there, that is, she would have probably gone up on the platform. I was going to say that disguise really worked out well. Yeah, well, the platform's been up once with the early pilgrims. If she's disguised, she could have been on it. Uh, if she's managed to do that without detection, I would say that the girl is quite good at what she does. As the platform rumbles up, she eventually turns and looks at the city as it continues to, to get smaller as you continue to rise. There's a lot of angry and frightened people in this city. It's a, it's a powder keg. I appreciate what you did yesterday, and I appreciate what you're doing for us. Pure bloods are the lowest of the Yuan-Ti, and, well, we can't detect them. There's no reason or way for us to know who they are until they choose to reveal themselves. There could be more here, I don't know. The fully transitioned Wanti attacked us outside the walls yesterday. It's it's a mess. And if none of you say anything at that, as she's just stoically looking off uh, into the... uh, city below this platform continues to rumble for another 
15, 10, 15 minutes and eventually comes to a stop. She points up a very narrow mountain path that seems to go through these ridges of the mountains itself and says to you all, it's up there, what you're looking for, and potentially who you're looking for as well. Thanks. And as you all make your way across this ridge and into the area sanctum that I described uh, Faruka Borough earlier. The cloister gates are open. The guards have stepped aside now as if anticipating your arrival. You see everything that I described Faruka Borough earlier. You see the great tree. You see the drake eggs hanging from it, which now has a, a more profound uh, meaning for you, Sayangar. This is the place that you saw in your hallucinations last night. So you're the only person with some kind of early memory of what to look like. Uh, Chungus, you can see the great walls, the arboretum, the echoes of life that that, that seem to just adjourn this sanctum. Uh, these are where individuals can come to contemplate and concentrate and conjure specific memories of loved ones. Uh, McBenner and Drago, what you both notice is that uh, Ukabura is just stood at the bottom of the memory forge, slightly confused by what appears to still be happening at the top. Um, Ukabura, for you, Ren has been up there now for, she's been up there for a while, uh, just with her hands focused on this memory forge. She hasn't turned or said anything. Drago, you can immediately clock Ren at the top of these steps stood in front of this forge. Drago is just going to, look and just walk up yep as you make your way up to the top of the steps you can see that ren now has her hands on this great altar that appears to be made of marble and there appears to be this like blue like crystal in the top of it that she's pressed her hand onto the red sapphire in the bottom of her palm which is embedded into her skin is just resting on it and appears to be glowing as well she doesn't appear to have noticed that you've arrived jagas just gonna Put a hand on the shoulder, reach out. Um, Ren. Okay, yeah. And as you do that, something happens. You are immediately plunged into a forest. Without knowing any different, you appear to be in this ancient dark forest. Can you make a history check for me, please? Oh, I can indeed. It's good. It's about on tally for mine. Uh, Five. Yeah, it feels familiar, but you can't quite put your finger on it. All of a sudden, you see the presence of a young teenage boy. He appears to have a bow and appears to be stalking, hunting something in the forest. You see this magical target seem to appear in the air and he goes to shoot at it. And then something suddenly something seems to knock his hand, knock his arrow flying off in a certain direction. He turns and he just screams, Ren! And you see this little girl emerge from the trees, just absolutely laughing and uh, and and unable to contain her glee at putting this archer off his shot. The child looks familiar, the boy. Suddenly the memory changes. It's the same forest, only it's many years later. The figures you see now, you definitely recognize. This is Robin. Robin, as you remembered him when you first met him in the Sword Coast, he's clean-shaven. 
he has about him this leather armor. He seems to be carrying something, a bow. He seems to also be carrying a shield and a host of other things. He comes to an open hole in the ground and throws them in. He takes Rem by the shoulders and says, we have to come for these when the time is right. For now, we must go our separate ways. Do you understand that? And she says, yeah, I get it. What are we going to do? He's, I'm going to find some work. I'm going to find us some leads. You head to Neverwinter. That's the plan we're going to agree to, right? Sure. The next memory you flick to, Ren is there as you know her. She looks confused. You definitely know where you are now, though. You see a version of yourself. It is Sleekgard. Robin presses a book to your hand, the last time you saw him. Commit these memories to the the forest of Neverwinter. Perhaps the legend of Robin of Neverwinter will be born anew. You slap each other on the back and embrace, and you part. Suddenly your eyes flick open. You're both back in Dash Cowrie at the front of this memory forge. Ren starts to literally plummet backwards and falls down a few steps unless you are able to successfully grab her. Do you want yeah, to Yeah, I, I would make the... Uh, Great. Consider my hands yeah. on her shoulder. Yeah, okay. Make a strength saving throw. She starts to fall. Now this I'm going to be much better at. Mm-hmm. 21. Yeah, you're able to just grab Meat her head. As, as, she, as she breaks out of this trance and just looks at you and says, what the fuck? Drago? I don't know. They're your memories. Yeah, that... You saw that too? Yeah. We came looking for you. And then when I just made a reach for your shoulder right now, uh, I was pulled into, I assume, what you were what you were seeing, because I saw you and Robin. That, that, that last memory wasn't mine. That, 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 that has to have been yours, right? That, that last one. Um, yeah, I guess. It makes sense. Definitely I was there. And, and you were Ren not. starts to process that, she glances back at the forge, which has started to cool its embers. And resting on the platform in front of this forge is now a jet black bow. Ren seems to take this in and then immediately picks it up and goes, Holy shit, it... Whoa. She looks at you and smiles and then runs back down the steps and comes into the courtyard and says uh, to you, Ukubara, oh, by the way, you were, you were totally right. Doing what I want is, was, was definitely the right thing. And I'm not saying anything, just jaw open. I'm just going to put my thumb up. Uh, she glances around at you all excitedly and goes, this is... Um, Robin called this the bow of Neverwinter, and she just kind of glances at it excitedly, and then just looks at you, McBenner, and goes and holds the bow out to you. Here. Well, uh, but, uh, hang on a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm very confused. Is this for me? Yeah. Well, it may as well be. I, it's I, I'm I'm a terrible shot, and I don't see anyone else here who would, is going to be able to, to to use it. Sorry, just a second. Kratz, quit that whining. We heard you screaming back there. <laughs> Keep it down. <laughs> I thought you'd gone anyway. Sorry. Ren, please continue. The hall seems very full today. I I, I wanted to, to, to know if the 
Well, when they talked about you talked about your father's weapon, she says to you, Sayangar and Drago, as Drago, I imagine, is coming back down the no. steps towards. Nope. nope. Okay. Nope. Cool. Nope. Nope. Um, and she, well, she says up. it back then, looking towards Drago. Then I, I thought I'd see if it, I could make it work myself. And Robin always said that this thing could come in use when, and that I would know when we need to get it. And you're not going to find a bow in this city better than that. I, I, I promise you. This bow that you've been given is known as the Bow of Neverwinter, McBenna. I'll tell you its stats. You always have the spell uh, Pass Without Trace prepared and can cast it once without expending a spell slot. You can't cast it this way again until you finish a long rest. As a bonus action, you can summon an Arrow of Neverwinter. The arrow counts as magical damage and deals an additional 1d6 psychic damage on a hit. This increases to 1d8 at 8th level, 1d10 at 12th level, and then 1d12 at 16th level. The arrow vanishes as soon as it hits a target. You also get a plus 1 to attack rolls with this bow. Is this an item I can look up, or can you write that down for me? It's a homebrew item. I can certainly send you the... uh, I made this years ago. Yeah, um, no, if you could, if you yeah. could, if you could send that to me, so I can then add yeah. it into D and D beyond manually upgrade. Yeah. Thanks. I will do that now. I'm going to take it as verbatim with a photo and send it to you in a bit. Okay. Um, so as Ren hands you this bow, you realise that it's jet black and sleek. It appears to look like it has been craft to look like the the feathers and the the outstretched wings of a nightingale. Um. As you all take this in, Sayangar, you notice that Drago has yet to has yet to descend from the steps above. I would skedaddle up as this old Ren bow stuff doesn't interest me. He's wandered off. This is where we need to be, Dad Sword, etc. So he'd kind of just quietly slink stealthily slink away up and go in search of his uh, brother. Yeah, you, you, it's easy enough to see him. He, he stood on a platform over the, the, the area where you are below. You, you make your way up to Drago. Does he have the higher ground? <laughs> he does. <clears throat> Don't, yeah. Anakin. Oh, I do it then. Don't try He's it. my brother. Um, hi. Uh, I'm glad you're, glad you're here. Um, yeah. Do you want to do something weird? Uh, <laughs> you know what given the events of the last couple of days it can't be much fucking weirder than killing snakes and I everything know, else I that's think... gone along with it I think this is going to be interesting um, okay stand next to me okay and uh, Drago is going to put a hand on your shoulder and then with his free hand He's going to reach it out towards the big bluish glowy thing and then look at you as if to go, uh, put your arm out. Is is this is this going to hurt? No idea. All right, fuck it. And yeah, um, with his opposite hand, reach out. He's going to grasp also like the underarm of, of Drago from that arm that's out as well and then reach out and push his left claw against uh, the same kind of area. That okay. Drago's On three. Wait, what on three? We push. 
Oh, oh right. This okay. hand in. Good. I didn't know if we were jumping or so. Okay, good. that's fine. Good to know. Okay. I don't I think we need a jump. Okay. Just, just a hand. We'll say one, two, three, and then we jump. Sorry, I'm nervous. No, we jump in. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, just a hand. Just a hand. Okay. okay. Just on three. Okay. On three. Three, two, one. Yeah. We, push. we push. 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 Okay. Push. Go away, Kratz. Okay. Nothing happens. That's it. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah, screw it. I'll keep my little sword then. Fuck you all. Yeah, you think for a second that nothing has happened, and then all of a sudden the world goes silver. Everything that was around you is left behind. A memory. Your father offering you, Drago, the hilt of his sword. Laughter. You are a child, no more than six. A happy memory. You try to lift the sword, but it's too heavy. It's great size, far too big for a child of your size. Your father laughs. Suddenly, a smaller dragonborn, a couple of years younger than you, comes along and instinctively just starts to push from the underside of the blade. Your father's hand, just making sure that you don't hurt yourselves or cut yourselves, is just nurturing the sword. Between you, both brothers are able to lift this sword into the air. It's too heavy. You both start to fall backwards, at which point a caring hand from your father reaches out and grabs the sword and helps you both hold the sword aloft. It goes to fall backwards as you both start to fall with it. Suddenly you are transformed into a world of perilous, glistening silver. You are adults again. You both take in this world that you are in. An altar sits in front of you. A plinth where a sword should sit. Overhead, the, gra- the clouds turn as silver as the scales. That adorn your skin. Something moves in those clouds. The presence of a gargantuan, enormous dragon moves in the shadows. That's where we're going to leave it for tonight's episode of the Fellowship of the Table. Bastard. Boom. Oh, man. Oh, it's in. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. That was good. That was good. Darren, well done. Very nice. I, I was I was in. Shit. I didn't I didn't normally I can tell when these uh these are coming to an end, so I can uh preempt my response, but uh no, good shit. Um good shit, man. Yeah. Good shit all round, everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. I guess I'll just awkwardly make my way into the close and say thank you very much for listening making us a party every day week we love you for it if you wanted to keep up to date with the podcast you can do so on our various social media pages but i'm just gonna say twitter tonight so that's at fellowship table and then if you wanted to go one step further and follow us individually you can do so too i'm at iboda one danny's at total party thrills mark's at hastily roll dm the chunga wonga boss is at Fellowship NPC PC. Will is at Natural 20 Will. And our very astute DM can be found at Darren Page 06. And <laughs> next time, guys. Farewell. 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 Farewell.